Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you all. Thank you so much for being here. And I just want to say right here at the top of the, uh, the message uh, how thankful we are to God for all of our kids' areas, the Wombaland and Upstreet being completed, so many miracles. Could we just give the Lord a little appreciation, a little love? It was amazing how many things have come together to make that possible for our kids and for your kids, grandkids. So here's my challenge to you this week. We want to just kind of have a big grand opening this next weekend and open this up. We built all this extra space so that we would have room for kids that are not here yet. So let's start that right away, okay? I just want to challenge you to get your kids, your grandkids to invite all their little buddies, all their little pals and bring them with them next weekend. You know some young families that could be really blessed and really have a tremendous experience here at Brazos Fellowship by being a part of this. Think about somebody that you could invite this week that their kids could come and experience that this next weekend. Uh, but I have been as giddy as a little kid. Every day I come in and I look at the new cool stuff that they're hanging, airplanes and birds and clouds, and I just wander around through there. It's really cool. So it's, uh, it is such a beautiful space. I'm so thankful to the Lord that we get to share that with our kids and make it one of the best we- hours of their week here at Brazos Fellowship. And So help us make that a part of more kids' weeks, uh, if we could, going forward. Now today, we're starting a brand new series entitled Love Like Jesus. We've talked about this idea that Jesus has challenged us to love like him. If you are a follower of Jesus or you're considering becoming a follower, this is big, important, kind of scary stuff sometimes to take on. What does it mean to actually live out loving like Jesus Uh, every single day. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the two areas that, as I said, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian today, or you're considering becoming one someday, these are the two inescapable aspects of this life of following Jesus. I would say it is an inescapable part of life regardless of what your worldview is, what your faith or non-faith is. You will have to confront these issues. You will have to deal with them We just look to Jesus, and he gives us a guide for how to deal with them in a proper and healthy way that actually can work out to be a blessing. They're a challenge you're going to have to face. Might as well have a roadmap for how to navigate really difficult and tricky parts of life, and this is definitely one of them we're going to talk about today. And some of you don't even realize it, but you're about to uh, realize that you are stuck in an area that that maybe it's time for you to begin to move forward. You've been stuck for a long time. You feel justified being stuck, but it's time for you to unstick. That's been my prayer for you this week as we talk about this today. And so here's what I want to do as we jump into this idea of loving like Jesus. I want to go to a moment that happened with Jesus and his followers just before his trial and crucifixion and resurrection. He gathers up his followers, and he says, okay, I have a new command that I want to give to you. And it's not going to sound new, but it is new in the way that I want you to apply it. It's going to be a little different. And here's what he said in John chapter 13, starting with verse 34. Here's what Jesus said. He says, a new command I give you, 
Love one another as I have, and I want you to read these highlighted words with me, if you would, out loud. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by what? By this loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciple. This is a word that means follower, pupil, learner. This is why many times I'll refer to a Christian as a Christ follower um, because this is, what, this is the word Jesus used. It was a word, this word disciple simply means one who comes and follows me in every aspect. Sometimes the word Christian can have some political baggage and connotations in our day. So I, I just kind of defer to this one many times. That's the one Jesus used a lot. But he says, this is the way that everybody's going to know that you're my disciple, my follower. He says um, that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you do this to Jesus, he says, this is the single most important defining characteristic of people who follow me. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying, this is the rule. This is what I want you to follow. Now, it's not, you know, in a sense, this one rule, every other rule sort of falls under that rule. He's like, if you're, if you're concerned with loving one another, then you're going to automatically do a whole lot of the other things. All, really, all the other things that the Bible says is, is going to fall under that. But he's saying, I want you to be people who love one another. Now, just in case you're thinking, oh, wow, that's really sweet, Jesus. Like just this love fest where I'll, I love you, brother and sister. I love, love, love. Kind of this passive manby-pamby love. That is not at all what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a love that does not easily give up. It never gives up. It's a kind of love that the very next day he demonstrates for us. It's tougher than Roman steel. It's tougher than nails. It will lay its life down for its brothers and sisters. It will die for. It's that kind of love. Sacrificial, amazing love. He's saying, this is what I want my people to be known for. To love each other like that. I want you to love like that. And I want us to look at a picture of that moment of Jesus displaying and demonstrating that kind of love to all of us. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, starting with verse 32, here's what Luke says about that moment as it began to transpire. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed, him being Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Here's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the righteousness of the world, the Savior of the world, God's one and only Lamb for the sins of all people. And he's between two criminals, two guys that deserve to be there, 100% lived a lifestyle. This wasn't like they committed one crime. They lived a life of, uh, as criminals, and they were deserving of this kind of punishment and death. And now they were hung up there. And what's interesting about, as we look into the Roman history of how they crucified, because here's the interesting thing about Romans. They didn't invent crucifixions. They just perfected it. They got better at it than anybody else. They knew how to make it excruciating. As a matter of fact, the word excruciating means out of the cross. They knew how to make it so painful and so horrible that no one would ever want to go against the Roman government. 
unlike many portrayals in movies, they didn't hang those who were being crucified up high. They actually held them way down low where it made it even more painful. Their feet were about six inches off the ground. This allowed people to walk up almost nose to nose and insult them, spit in their face and tell them, you deserve this, you scum, you piece of garbage, you ought to just die. And that's what they did. It was almost like a receiving line. People would come by, those being crucified, and say such things, spit on them, one after another after another. And Jesus received all of the same hatred as the two criminals being hung on either side of him. We're told that even... The Jewish synagogue leaders, the priests, the Jewish priests, these Pharisees, came up and said, you saved other people, you ought to save yourself. Spit on him. And Jesus just took it. And his only response, we're told in the very next verse, verse 34, Jesus says this, and I'd like you to, to say this, highlighted words with me. He prays, he, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. They don't even have any idea what they're doing right now. They don't even know who I am. These are people who did not deserve forgiveness, nor were they asking for it. I want you to notice this. They didn't deserve it, and they were not asking for it. And Jesus is saying, this is how I love people. This is the level this is the, the extent to which I would go, and to which we would say, oh my gosh, if ever there was an unforgivable sin, that ought to be it right there. If ever, they're murdering him right then. They're executing him, and he is praying for their forgiveness as they are doing it to him. Oh my goodness. Jesus says, a big part, if you're going to love like me, he says, here's how I love people. I forgive sinners. I forgive I forgive sinners. Let me th get you to think about this in your own life. Every person in here has been wounded by somebody at some time. You were hurt. Some of you, unfortunately, and this is awful, you were a child and you were vulnerable and you couldn't fight back and you couldn't do one thing about it and people that you should have been able to trust, a teacher, a family member, a friend, an adult, somebody, and they took advantage of you, and they hurt you. They abused you verbally, physically, sexually, and you are still living with the wake, the ripple effect of that moment, that event in your life right to this day, trying to figure out how to work past this and keep it from constraining you and holding you back. You're still feeling it. Maybe it was somebody that you felt like, I should have been able to trust them, but they, they betrayed me. A friend, someone I loved, I told them, I bared my soul to them, and then they went out and just shared it with other people. And they shouldn't have done that. And now there's people that are like judging you and you don't even know, there's not one thing you can do about it to reverse or undo or to fix. You don't even know what to say, what to do. Maybe they said something about you behind your back that wasn't even true and it's a lie and they're believing it like it's true about you. You don't even know how to fix it. It hurts so bad. And you've been judged. You've been wrongly accused. And in a sense, maybe in a social sense or verbal sense or behind your back, you've been maligned, you've been crucified by somebody, and there's not one thing you could do about it. Maybe it's somebody that you were in love with, 
boyfriend, girlfriend broke your heart. I had a young man recently in the community share with me, big old guy, athletic. I broke up with my girlfriend, and if I'm honest, Pastor Will, I struggle with suicide. I, I attempted it. Thank God he didn't go through with it, but it just devastates us. When somebody we love, we've trusted, breaks our heart, or maybe that betrayal came from a spouse, or a spouse that one day tells you, I just can't be with you anymore. I'm divorcing you. I'm leaving you. And it just devastates you to the core. How do I ever forgive you? How can I ever? I just don't even know how to get started. This is so painful. It's so difficult. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's a boss that's got it out for you that just never gives you a break, that always chooses others over you, that seems to make it harder on you than he should or she should. There's a coworker that has taken credit for things that you've done. They have stolen from you ideas, intellectual property, taking credit for. They came in right at the end and they said, oh yeah, we all did this together. And they got credit for it and they got the benefit or the blessing or the bonus or whatever. And you did, and you were just left seething mad. Oh, you kidding me? Really? Maybe the person that you're mad at is you. You're mad at you, but you can't forgive you for something you did Maybe it was years ago, months ago, maybe it was decades ago, and you just can't leave it alone. You keep just raking yourself over the coal, beating yourself up over it. Maybe it's not one big event. Maybe the person who offended you or you, it was a repeated thing. It's just a bunch of little, just nitpicky, just eating you up, irritating you, frustrating you. You're going, oh, wow, I live with that person, or I, I did, I grew up in that home, and that was, yes, and I can't hardly stand to be around them. And it's like, I don't even know how to get started forgiving. But Jesus today is going to challenge us to say it's time to take the first step. It's time to begin to move in the right direction to forgive. Why was this so important to Jesus? Why was this such a priority? As we're going to see today, repeatedly Jesus talked about the importance of forgiveness. Why was this such a big deal? Because Jesus understood there was a spiritual principle at play. There is something so inc incredibly important, one of the biggest spiritual principles that is released when we forgive is found over in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 16. This is right in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he is showing us what does it look like and what should it look like for us as followers of Jesus to live. How do we live in light of this new kingdom, the kingdom of God that we belong to? As citizens of the kingdom, this is how we should live. He said this, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But, and this is so important, very important, but to pay attention to, but if you do not forgive, let's say it together, do not forgive others their sins and your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus says, I want you to see there is a correlation, there is a connection between your willingness to offer forgiveness to others who have sinned against you and your ability to receive and accept the forgiveness of God through Christ for you. Now, you are not earning forgiveness. You are not trying to work enough to achieve forgiveness, Jesus did all of that on the cross. He did all of it. In, in other words, he's already put the money in the account, ready for you to withdraw it. 
But in order for you to take access of this forgiveness that is offered for everything you've ever done, said, or thought that transgressed God's law, that went against his holiness, he's saying you have to be willing to offer and extend forgiveness to others. You have to. There's a reason why you have felt this nagging, eating feeling at you that I'm not quite forgiven. I feel like, yes, I asked God to forgive me, but it's like I'm just not fully forgiven. Guess what? Have you forgiven other people? That might be your issue right there. That might be that today it's like God's saying it's time for you to release her, to let him go, to stop this constantly like a prison cell. I won't let him go. I'm going to hold on to this. Because if we're going to love like Jesus, we have to learn to forgive like Jesus. So the big question that's going to guide the rest of our time together is how do you forgive like Jesus? Like where do we even get started? That is hard. That is a tall order to fill. And how do we get started doing that? And I want us to turn our attention to Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 28, where Luke said this, or he recorded Jesus saying this. It says, bless, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who, let's say it together, who hurt you in any of the ways that you could be hurt. Emotionally, physically, sexually, financially hurt, you name it. Wherever, however they hurt you, they offended you, they made your life a living hell, made it awful, made it difficult, painful. Who did that to you? Jesus is saying, I want you to begin to pray for those people. To which, if you're like me, when you first hear this, you go, oh, I'll pray for them, all right. I'll pray God teaches them a lesson. He'll come after them and do to them what I wish I could do to them, right? Especially people who hurt people you love or just arbitrarily seem to come after you or just like, what is the deal with you? Are you just messed up or what? What is your problem? And sometimes you just want to do the Lord's work for him, right? You want to just go after him. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. You can't hold on to this grievance. You can't hold on to this grudge and continue to be unforgiving towards those people. You've got to learn to begin to hand it over to God and to trust him to do the work that only he can do on that person. And that even if they don't change, that you're willing to continue to pray for them, especially as the, the, the pain, the frustration, the anger comes to the surface. I, I like to uh, parallel it with like the illustration of when you're driving your car down the road and you see the dash lights, the check engine lights, change oil lights, they come on. You better pay attention to those, right? You better not drive another 5,000 miles without taking some attention to those lights or you won't be driving that car anymore, not without changing an engine. Um, and so... It's time when you feel that anger, that bitterness begin to well up in you and different things will trigger it. Pull over, take a time out in your life. And, I have, and you've heard me talk about this. I think we ought to take a time out every single day, time alone with God every single day, this, this, this quiet time with God every single day to say, Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. As you have forgiven me, help me to forgive them. Help me. Help me, God. And it might even be that you need to start by praying, God, help me to want to forgive them. I don't even want to forgive them. Right? I remember the first time I heard this, this conditional, unless you forgive them, I won't forgive you. It, it, it made me panic a little because I was like, God, I, I don't even want to forgive these people. 
I have no desire. It, this is scary. So I just need to start by praying, God, help change my heart towards them. I pray that you would do a work in their life and do a work in my life and begin to change my heart. And it's amazing how if we continue to do that, God will work and do a miracle in our heart. He has in mind. I've seen it in so many other people's story. And Jesus goes on to say this in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 43. He says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your, let's say it together, love your enemies. Did he just say that? And pray for those who persecute you. Now let me just say, this is one of the most radical things in Jesus' culture that they had ever heard him say. He was saying this at a time where people said, no, you You know, this is like jaw-droppingly shocking. You don't let people just off. Like, this is like letting them get away with injustice. You're just letting them off the hook. Are you kidding me? No, you hunt them down. You make them pay. The Romans worshipped multiple gods. One of the gods they worshipped was the god of revenge. Like, they, they liked, it was like a sport for them. They liked taking revenge. It was, it was like fun for them. Jesus, don't, don't live like that. You're not made to live like it. It will eat you up. Even the Jewish law said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Long before Jesus gives us the rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Oh, everybody was living by the rule, do unto others as they have done unto you. <laughs> Go get even with them. And I want you to think about it in your own life. Who is that person who's betrayed you, hurt you, broke your heart? took advantage of you. It took credit for something you did. Somebody who gossiped about you, lied about you. I want to challenge you today. Begin to pray for that person, that guy, that girl, that name, that face that God's putting in your mind right now to begin to pray for them. I know you never thought you would pray. You just try to avoid them at all costs, but it's time to begin to pray for them, to pray for them, that God would work in their life. And part of the reason that Jesus challenges us to do this over and over is he knows something about us that we either don't know or we forget really quickly. And that is this, that unforgiveness is like you and I drinking some poison, hoping the other person dies. We're just drinking. Oh yeah, well this feels really good just to hold on to and let that anger just seethe and they don't even deserve it and I'm never going to give it to them. All the while, the one that's really being punished is you. It's amazing how many studies there are out there. You can look them up on the internet that show that people who learn how to forgive, who do the hard work of learning to forgive and release those who have hurt them, they live with less stress, they have lower blood pressure, and have lower occurrences of heart attack, They're healthier people. It's unbelievable. And the converse is also true. Those who hold on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, even people that many times seem very jovial and sweet and kind, but maybe they're hiding deep down in their heart. This might be you, some unforgiveness towards somebody, and you feel totally justified in doing that, but just know that there's some physiological risks, a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, heart disease, and cancer. The occurrence of cancer goes way up. It's crazy with people just simply not willing to forgive. And the thing that we discover when we begin to do the hard work of forgiving those who have really offended and hurt us, who have wounded us, is that 
we, we realize that when we pray, my prayer may never really change them, but it will always change me. The one who really gets blessed by you obeying what Jesus said is you, every single one of you. You begin to see God do what you never thought he would or could do in your life. So not only beginning to pray for those who hurt you, but also here's the, the other big uh, principle that we see in the New Testament is to forgive as you've been forgiven. To forgive as you've been forgiven. To be willing to offer to others. It shows that you get it. I understand. Whoa, I've been forgiven a lot. Now, who am I? Like the God of the universe is offering through Christ forgiveness to me. Now, I'm going to withhold sins that have been committed against me to other people? Really? Are you kidding me? The Apostle Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. And in the New Living Translation of the Bible, it says to forgive anyone that you have been offended by that has offended you. He says, forgive, let's say this together, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This word as, I want you to see in the next verse too, this word as basically says, here's your model. If you want to know how to do this, here's your model. Do it as the Lord forgave you. Ideally, as we'd be quick to forgive that we offer forgiveness, even for those we have grievances against, even those who have offended us. And then he says this to the, the Christians in Ephesus. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, let's say it together, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here's your model. Just as Christ in God, or pardon me, in Christ God forgave you. In, in other words, Paul's saying, it's like God is bringing us and saying, hey, come with me for just a second. I want you to take a long look at the cross. I want you to see what Jesus did for you. Beaten almost to death and then nailed to this cross to pay for your sins so that you might be forgiven. Not just you, but all of your neighbors and family and your parents and even the parent you've never met that abandoned you when you were just a baby, that you don't even know why they took off. And it's real hard to forgive, stuff like that. But Jesus is saying, listen, I say this is enough to forgive your sins. Isn't this enough, this sacrifice enough to forgive those who offended you and hurt you. Isn't it enough? What's it going to take? Because God says it's enough. It is finished. It's completed. All the requirements of the law are met in Jesus Christ. And we can be free in him. But you're going to be hurt at times. And those hurt feelings should remind us to pray to God and say, Lord, help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. Help me to release these people and not to continue to hold on to it. Because forgiving someone won't change the past, but it will always change your future. It always will. You cannot live the future that God had in store for you if you don't forgive. It will impede it. It will hold you back. It will constrain what God was wanting to do in your relationships, in your life, in your, in, in your spiritual life, physically, emotionally, it changes us. When we start praying, I've seen it in my own life. When I start praying for somebody, it changes the way I feel about them. It changes me emotionally. 
It changes me spiritually because maybe for the first time, I'm really receiving the full blessing of forgiveness for stuff I have done. Because as we forgive others, so we are forgiven. It's amazing. And then physiologically, as I said earlier, it's amazing how it frees us up. There's less stress. There's lower blood pressure. It just allows you to live the kind of life that God intended from the very beginning. You see, when we make the decision, hard but, but important, inescapable decision to say, I'm going to forgive those who have wounded and hurt and offended me, what we do when we open that prison cell of our heart and say, okay, I'm going to let this person out, what we find, oh my gosh, this is so important, what we find is the prisoner wasn't them, it was us. We were the ones. The freedom that's at stake is yours, not theirs. It will hold you back the rest of your life. It will hurt your relationship with your children and your grandchildren and your marriage. It will sometimes destroy those relationships because you were unwilling to forgive. Don't let that be your story. People, folks, please open up your heart. Jesus wasn't just trying to fill pages of the Bible by sharing this information with us. He was saying, this is the key that unlocks the life I have for you. I know it feels counterintuitive. It goes against everything you feel in this world that I ought to get even and go after and, and exact justice on these people and make sure they pay. Let God take care of that. You forgive. You forgive. And here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me. Simply saying, Father, I'm asking you to help me to forgive those who haven't asked for it and don't deserve it. Just like he did on the cross for us. Just as in Christ, you forgave me. And this is how we love like Jesus. And if we're unwilling to do this, we give up a really important part of the Christian life. A huge part. And today I want to ask you, because this may be one of the hardest things for some of you that you have ever done in your life. If you really take this to heart and you really do this for some of those who have hurt you, and it may go way, 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 way back. Some of the people that you have not forgiven, that you have a grudge against, aren't even alive anymore. They're gone, and you cannot forgive them. And today's the day to go before the Lord and say, God, help me. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying you would help me forgive. Would you do that right now? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.